0: And it. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination, and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh oh. Uh oh.
0: Erin Addisons
1: on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Meeky, and I'm Will, and Sweet Victory, and Jay Macron Tap to help us navigate the show. Today, we want to talk about some of the conversations that we have, the conversations that we have. And it'll be an interesting transition, but we're going to start off the hour talking about the importance of the conversations we have surrounding Christ and Mm -hmm. the reason that so much of our focus uh, this time of year is on Christ, getting back to Jesus, our Messiah. And uh, Brother Jerry Lawson joins us to talk about the significance of having that conversation and then in the second and third segments of the show, we're going to talk about the conversations that we have, um, remembering Christ and His bride. So, mm. in this first segment, we're <laughs> going to discuss remembering Christ, mm-hmm. and and then second and third segments, uh, remembering Christ and His bride, uh, marriage, the yes. picture of Christ Amen. in the church, and this is so important because we have we have found ourselves in a very critical um, place, I, I, I guess, a moment in the history of this country yeah, where, you know, you know, what, what will the Christians say? In other words, what conversations will the Christians have around the very real question of what is marriage? What is marriage? And, and I'm not intentionally um, trying to take a page from the um, Matt Walsh playbook, but if I were to take mm-hmm. a page, I think this would be a good page to take. With just simply asking the question, "What is marriage?" Yeah. Um, you know, Matt Walsh asked the question, "What is a woman?" And my goodness, you were hard pressed to find people who could define what a woman is apart from what a woman actually is. <laughs> Like there's just one definition, and I think that we as Christians, as far as the conversation goes on the issue of marriage, yeah. we need to begin with the simplicity of the question: What is marriage? Amen. What What is marriage? And and press people to define it without using God's established terms. And you,
0: and you know, the the church in general don't even know. No, you exactly. Know, uh, you 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 ask that question, and oh, it's like, man. man, there's no real biblical answer that. Christians can give you, but th- there is an answer, but mm-hmm. not one that they can give you. And that's sad. So yes. we really have to drill down because there's a big, huge attack on marriage in our culture today. And, you know, and so we as believers, if no one else knows, we should know.
1: That's exactly you know? right. And we need to be able to define that and boldly right. give um the explanation, the definition, to anyone who would ask, and I heard you allude to this mm-hmm. um, yesterday on the program. I thought it was so well stated that we've got to be bold. You know what I mean? We've got to determine oh, yeah. ahead of time that you know people can decide if they think it's prudent for us to tell the truth. Yes, but we have to. We, we have to be help like the apostles. But tell the truth. That's exactly right. Right. You know, when exactly Peter right.
0: and John. They say, "Look, we can only obey God. We we we're not going to obey man mm-hmm. over God." You know. And so we have to be bold to say that in this time that, man, we're going to obey the word of God and what God has said about marriage and family and life and all these different issues and not go with the narrative of of the day.
1: That's exactly right. So that's a conversation that we're going to have in the second and third segment where we remember Christ and his bride. In this segment, though, we want to have a conversation where we remember Christ. What is the reason Mm. that we are celebrating Christmas And uh, we know that it's so easy to forget, to get caught up in the commercialization of Christmas. and, And it becomes something other than what the real celebration is about. And for the last 16 years, Brother Jerry Lawson has partnered with the American Family Association to continue calling people's attention back to the reason for this season. I know it's I know I shouldn't. I'm sorry. Hey, it works. It just it works though. And and it just it absolutely works. Brother Lawson, thank you so much for joining us today. It is a uh, Christmas season. It's also Christmas button season. And I I just got to tell you, I don't know anyone since um Christmas buttons began their print run, I guess in 2006. <laughs> I don't know anyone who is more excited or has been more excited about the witnessing tool that these buttons are than you. Now, look, as soon as I said that, somebody started typing up an email, Okay, because they're going to challenge you. They're going to say, nope, it's me. I'm the one, (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. which is great (laughs) until then, though.
1: Until then, we're going to go with Brother Lawson on this. Brother Jerry, how are you today?
2: Well, I tell people if I was doing any better, I'd have to be in heaven with Jesus right now.
1: (laughs) That's great. That's great. I may have to adopt that. Um, so tell our listeners, kind of take us back, and and it's such a joy that you know every year we get to remember um, why we celebrate Christmas and draw our attention and our focus back to Jesus Christ, the reason that he was sent, what he accomplished, of course, looking at where it began, but that's not where it ended, that Jesus absolutely accomplished the mission for which he was sent. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us why it's so important for us to remember this. And then as we continue the conversation, we'll look at the kinds of tools that we have um, to invite other Christians to be able to make much of Jesus Christ this time of year?
2: Well, I walked the aisle and gave my heart to Jesus when I was 12 years old, and I immediately had nothing but questions. Mm-hmm. Couldn't understand why somebody had to die for another person to have life. And so sitting down with my minister, and one thing led to another thing, and well, Jesus Christ didn't what was so different about Jesus Christ and then how he was born, coming into the world, his purpose, his life, his meaning, his resurrection. So for me, uh, the journey with Jesus has been uh, a journey of wanting to discover what is the real truth according to the Bible. And I learned a long time ago, go to Genesis, Genesis 1.1. If you can't accept the first four words of the Bible then you don't need to go any further in those sixty-six books. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God, mm-hmm. and then in 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 John chapter one, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. And so I can't diminish the Word, and I will say what the Bible says. If you got a problem with that, you need to take it to Jesus and straighten <laughs> it out with Him. Amen. Uh, but. Uh, when I had an opportunity in '06 in to uh, team up with Don Weilman and these Christmas buttons, immediately I knew I had found uh, a ministry in life that I was going to stick with because mm-hmm. the button gives me an opportunity not just to plant a seed, but at the same time as a child and all the questions I had, many times passing these buttons out gives another person permission to ask questions yeah. of me and now I can share with them my journey. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's really interesting, Brother Lawson, that you know over a decade and a half ago, you were really struck by what you saw as the removal of Jesus Christ from this season, from this time of year. And it has become so common that I think many of us are not even aware, but there was once a battle that we were fighting to say, wait a minute, no, 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 it's not just season's greetings or happy holidays. Like I think a, a lot of times, Uh, as we are now people just sort of take those things as normative but we are old enough to remember that this was actually a concerted effort to remove christ to remove the quote unquote offense of the season that bears his name (laughs) like or his title you know the messiah and and so what we were doing here at the american family association was saying no the reason for this season is that the Messiah came, that the promised one of Israel came, and we want to make much of that. And I think that was something that you really latched on to as well. There There is a joy in being able to tell the world about Christ, but there's also a type of activism in the wearing of these buttons that you're saying we're not going to remove the knowledge of the reason for this season from this season.
2: Well, there were several of the big box stores, and early on I found out that uh, they were prevented by management and sometimes by corporate management Mm -hmm. uh, not to say uh, Merry Christmas because it might offend somebody. Well, it offended me not being able to say (laughs) Merry (laughs) Christmas, and it offended me to say Happy Holidays And Christmas is more than just a materialistic holiday. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I called a number of the stores and all. And I had one or two conversations with some managers in some department stores and all. And then when the buttons came along, I mean, the employees wanted the buttons. Mm -hmm. They would stick their hand in it. Then it got to where I could talk to two or three managers. And how many buttons do you need? I had one man say, can you supply me with 50 buttons? I said, I'll supply you with 500 buttons Uh, and so we started giving uh buttons out in groups to department stores you come to Ackerman and probably everybody in that town and maybe even that county has received a button from me and uh it, it it's just a joy to be able to take a button and when you give that button to a person and then they turn around and ask you a question about Jesus yeah. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. they have given me permission to share my faith with them and uh a lot of times we're very careful about offending somebody mm-hmm. uh-huh. secular world's not not at careful all. about Come offending anyone right. but uh anyway the buttons have given me an opportunity to start a dialogue with people and to share with them what Christ means to me.
0: You know, I would love
2: to hear uh one of those encounters
0: like can you tell us like something that happened when you gave a button and it, it stirred up a conversation and that led to w- whatever it led to
2: last year when I was up there at Branson, Missouri, passing out buttons. not this year, last year we uh-huh. went to a, a, a theater and a dinner theater. And at halftime of the show, I got up and I, I had to go to the restroom.
0: Okay. <laughs> and uh,
2: so I'm looking here, and I'm looking there, and it's this child is appearing from every direction. Well, I later came to find out that it was twin boys. Uh, Had me stumped. But anyway, they were looking at my Christmas button. So I had some in my pocket, and I gave each one of them a Christmas button. I go back into the dinner theater, and I sit there. I've maybe been there five minutes, and this lady comes up. And she says, sir, and she has two of the Christmas buttons. She said, "Uh, those were my brothers that had those buttons, and I know they asked you for those buttons. And I said, no, ma'am, they did not. They were looking at them, and I could tell they wanted them. And if that has offended you, I apologize, and I'll take them back. Mm -hmm. She says, no, it hasn't offended me one bit. I felt like they had asked for them. And she says, I just want you to know it's been hard for me because I'm raising my two younger brothers Mm. and those Mm. buttons that you gave to them. I just knew once I said, no, ma'am, those two boys were real nice to me. I think they're super kids and I'd sure like to pray with you for raising your two brothers and all. And she says, well, we need all the prayer that we can get. It's been tough. Uh, and it it was just a, a, a joy for me to give them, uh, Those buttons, but it was a joy to be able to pray with her about her circumstances. I hope she's out there and doing well today, raising her brothers. Wow. Yeah, you know, I think wow. it's
1: interesting. We can really take for granted the opportunities that the Lord affords us mm-hmm. in these simple expressions, right? And so the opportunity to share a button with someone. I think that there are many people who struggle with witnessing, even struggle with evangelism because they don't know how to start the conversation. I think this season in and of itself makes that conversation just a little bit easier, at least historically. That's what's been true. But I would say that even going a step further, being able to offer somebody something tangible to put in their hand opens the door to a conversation. It opens the door to prayer. I know that there are uh, two buttons that are available this year. Jesus, he came for you, or Jesus, our living hope. And then of Mm -hmm. course, there are also the wristbands, keep Christ in Christmas. You know, I was struck by this and I'm going to make sure I let our listeners know how they can get these buttons and the wristbands, but I just wanted to get your thought on this. Excuse me, brother Lawson. It's really striking to me that you've got department stores all across this country Um, in various capacities they have stickers they have you know embroidered work on on the aprons that their employees are wearing and all of this is in an effort to assert what they value how much more meaningful is it for us as christians to assert what we value
2: well it's it's absolutely uh important in fact you will find me throughout the year wearing one of those Christmas buttons. Mm. And in July, when people see that Christmas button, they'll ask me a question about it. Uh, so I like the buttons at Christmas, but I'm going to wear them throughout the year. And i just like to say, uh, Buddy and I went out to dinner just a little while ago. And there was a lady in a restaurant there. And I told oh. her, I said, this button will look nice on you.
1: And, <laughs> Brother uh, Lawson, let, I mean, let me grab the it break. It just
2: thrilled her.
1: <laughs> we'll take this break. Erin the Addison, American Family Radio. We'll be right back. I am troubled,
3: yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair cause I I'm a vessel full of power with a treasure none can
1: compare. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Really do appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will, and that's Micah Stampley with Corinthian Song.
1: Our brother Jerry Lawson is in studio, and today we are talking about AFA's Christmas buttons. Our our overall conversation is about conversations that we have and the significance of those conversations. So many people will not think twice about getting Christmas lists. They will not think twice about all of the deals that they've got to get in on mm-hmm. and watching all of the advertisements. But for some reason, when we turn to the conversation of talking about the eternal significance of the fact that Jesus Christ came to this world yeah. for us to give himself as a ransom for us, some people want to check out on that. Like sometimes that just kind of is <laughs> like, yeah, I know that. And and look, and I will say even myself, when I say Jesus is the reason for the season, I get a little... Oh, because I know it's like it's kind of one of those like it's a catchphrase but the significance of that is profound and before we were going to break um brother Lawson was sharing with us just an encounter I think that you had today is that right brother Jerry that's, that you had today
2: That's correct at the restaurant where we went to eat it was just a sweet sweet young lady And uh, when we gave her the button, they just made her day. She was running around telling everybody she's the only one in there besides those two nice gentlemen that had (laughs) one of those buttons.
1: (laughs) Well, look, I just want to encourage our listeners um, to engage in – I guess what I would call some, some friendly, easy evangelism, right? Absolutely. Um, if, they, if they are listening today and they want to get their hands on some of these AFA Christmas buttons or the wristbands, a lot of people are wearing the wristbands today. Brother Lawson, just real quick, you prefer the buttons, though. Is that, is that right?
2: I have the wristbands, but when my sleeve is down in the wintertime, you don't <laughs> see it. Can see it. <laughs> so I put the buttons out there where everybody can see it. Brother uh, Lawson,
1: you are a soldier. You are just, I mean, you are about this life. <laughs>
2: Miss Nikki, let me just say I this. A lot yeah. of times when I give a button to a person and I see a reluctant response, I keep a Billy Graham Crusade card, witness card in my pocket. And I will hand it to them, and I will tell them God's dealing with you, and He wants you to have this card. And in the next two weeks, something's going to happen in your life. So don't throw the card away, keep that card handy. And when that happens, you go back and realize this is God's moment with you. Mm -hmm. Take advantage of it. And uh, I've had people call me up. If anything happens in the next two weeks, (laughs) they're going to think it's divine intervention, and it very well could be. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's an opportunity even for people who are reluctant to discuss Christ to give them a card and let them walk away with it. And then I'll leave it up to God. He can do Mm -hmm. anything.
1: Amen, amen. 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 And that's the safest thing to do, to leave it to the Lord and to leave it to his sovereignty and his oversight, his love and his care for people. I think we sometimes forget that. The Lord loves and cares for people, Absolutely, and all of the people who will be saved are not yet saved. There are still people coming into God's kingdom, and he's invited us to be a part of that, and I think that's incredible for us to remember. I will let our listeners know that you can go to afa.net, and you can click on the AFA resource tab. The buttons and the wristbands come in sets of 10, and you can order those and give them out as you are led by the Spirit of God. I would encourage you, and I think that Brother Lawson would agree with me on this, that you pray even as you place your order pray that the lord will lead you in how to use those buttons and how to use those wristbands that he'll send Absolutely. you to the right person i continue to be amazed not only at people's attention to buttons but people's attention to wristbands there there are people also who will pay attention they look down at your arm and they and there are some people like our son and my husband <laughs> who collect wristbands like they, they this is the thing for them that they actually collect them and put them all up their arm. Maybe you don't put it all up your arm. Oh, the younger kids. Is. He has one on the young- <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> had to roll the, the sleeve kids, up. <laughs> the younger
1: kids are doing that. But um, again, AFA.net. Click on the AFA resource tab and um, pray that the Lord will lead you and how to use this as a resource, yes. as a resource to advance God's kingdom. If you don't have access to internet, you can also call and place your order. Uh, the number is 877 877- 927 4917 Let me give it to you again. It's 877-927-4917. Brother Lawson, we are out of time. Any final thoughts before we wrap up talking about this opportunity to evangelize using Christmas buttons?
2: Well, uh, again, thank you for the opportunity to let me share with you today. And I always tell people when I leave them, if I don't see you again down here, I want to see you up there. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Brother Lawson. We really do appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Okay, so today we're talking about the conversations that we have. And uh, in this segment, we've invited our brother on, Jameson Taylor, who is the Director of Policy and Legislative Affairs for AFA Action. We want to talk about—I um, know that there are all kinds of ways that people have referred to this. I have seen the Disrespect for Marriage Act. Um <laughs> yes. and, and, and I it's the non-marriage act, in my opinion. Yeah. It's the non-marriage act. Um, but one of the things that the opposition, those who oppose God, one of the things that they do really well is they define things or redefine things in right. a way— that they will get you saying what they want you to say. They know say. how to
0: put names on like phrases on things to make it sound like, yeah, you want this, you need this, but yes, <laughs> you got to be it, aware.
1: It, it's just, it's an unfortunate. Uh, so we've got to find ways to get back to the original meanings of words, the original definition, yeah. the original meaning of terms and expressions and all of this. And so this is, in my opinion, this is the non marriage act. Um, <laughs> but what we are talking about is legislation that passed the Senate on Tuesday, That would, um, should it reach President Biden's desk, it's got to go back to the House. uh, But should it reach President Biden's desk, it would codify federal legal protections for so called uh, same sex marriage. There were three religious liberty amendments that were rejected. (laughs) And uh, we wanted to get, excuse me, wanted to get Jameson on to talk about the intricacies of this, um, where we are now. But then one of the things that is our custom here is never to stop at the political implications because, indeed, these issues matter to us because they have moral implications first. And this is our business all day, every day, even on Sunday. This (laughs) is our business. Okay. so, Jameson, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I'm
3: doing great. Thank you all for having me on today.
1: No, it's a pleasure. I, I would like to begin with you helping our listeners to understand where we are um, as of today, I know that there's a lot of confusion. There's so many people who are like, "How does this change where we were? Why? Why did we need this bill? Why? Why did so many Republicans?" vote in favor of this bill? And why do we not have the protections of our religious liberty in this country as we expect to have? I'll just let you start wherever you, (laughs) wherever you think is best.
3: Well, I think that's a great question because we have to really understand where we are right now in order to determine where to go from here.
1: Mm -hmm. The thing
3: to understand about this bill is that the religious liberty language, I'm not going to call it protections, but the religious liberty language in this bill is fake. It is Mm -hmm. fake Religious Mm -hmm. Freedom Protection. So we saw 12 Republicans that sided with the Democrats to give the Democrats this big win. Mm. You know, I'll say the Democrats are already kind of underselling this a little bit. It's not the Equality Act, which is what they really wanted, but this is a really good consolation prize for them. So as they always do, they're pushing the envelope again, saying, well, hey, yeah, respect for marriage. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a modest win. But what we really need is this and this and this and this? You wow. know, they they keep asking, and so and and it's very important. You know, it's the same mm-hmm. as prayer. The more you ask, the more God <laughs> co- the more God grants to you in a certain respect. You know, so use those asking muscles. That's that's what the left is really <laughs> good at. But wow. when we think about where we are, important thing to realize about this bill is that the religious freedom protections in it are fake. Now, why do I say that? So, if you look at the language in the bill, it says that there are protections for. Nonprofits, religious nonprofits in particular. So churches and synagogues, religious schools, things like that. Well, think about what is not in the bill. And this is something that the Republicans who voted for this bill and really supported this bill, they were silent about this. And really, I think they misled a lot of voters and their colleagues about these religious freedom protections, so-called religious freedom protections in the bill. So what is not in those protections? For instance, business owners. So Christian businesses now there there is a there are some Supreme Court cases that have looked at this issue. Yeah, uh, a lot of those cases though, have to do with First Amendment protections, free speech protections. So we're talking about maybe a cake designer might get some protection from the Supreme Court. Uh, it may be that someone with a, a website or someone who does calligraphy for let's say a you know, a, um, a marriage, mm-hmm. they may get protection because that's First Amendment. But what about all the other Christian business owners who don't fit under that free speech category? Mm. So what we might get from the Supreme Court hopefully next year uh, is some very narrow religious freedom protections for Christian business owners. But by and large, the Respect for Marriage Act throws these Christian business owners under the bus. Now, who else does it throw under the bus? Adoption agencies that are not religious, you know, that are don't have a formal tie to a church, but maybe they're Christian. You know, maybe they, maybe they have a policy that they believe it's best to only adopt out kids to uh, one-man, one-woman couples. Yeah. Those agencies, if they're not specifically religious, they don't have protection under this bill. Wow. But it gets worse. <laughs> the religious freedom protections in the, in the bill only apply to one activity, the solemnization or celebration of a marriage. Okay. So wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, I, just think about this. Solemnization or celebration of a marriage. What that means is that those Christian schools, actually they don't have, they don't have the protection that these Republicans are saying that they have.
1: Because
3: mm. mm. when's the last time that a school right. celebrated a marriage? I <laughs> right. mean, right. you know, it's, it's not what right. they do. Wow. So wow. the religious freedom protections in this bill are fake. Mm. They're only going to protect a very narrow set of activities, and they're only going to protect a very small group. Mm. So that said, you know, things look kind of desperate. Yeah. Uh, and and when this first passed, I was feeling kind of down. Uh, but, you know, I started to think God is sovereign. Amen. God is in control. Amen. Uh, and I, I think we should talk about that uh, a little bit later. But first thing I want to say, though, is, you know, if we think about where are we, Mm-hmm. This bill would not have passed without Republican support. Mm-hmm. That's because we needed Republicans to side with the Democrats to prevent a filibuster, mm-hmm. which is uh, a, a longtime practice in the Senate that encourages the Senate to slow down and think about the consequences of significant legislation. Filibuster is very important, I think, for the proper working of our government. The Democrats want to get rid of it because they want to mm-hmm. rush things through. Right. And that's what mm-hmm. that's what they did with this. But- so
1: Jamison before you go on though let me let me just back up here for a second because one of the things that we really endeavor to do on this program is to make this conversation something that the average American the the average Christian can can engage in just sort of going about his or her day. So one of the th- one of the questions I think that most Americans would have m- most Christians who Follow a little bit. They pay attention to what's going on. I think the big question is, why was this act, why is this bill even necessary? How does this differ from Obergefell 2015 United States Supreme Court? What is exactly the aim here What's that makes this different and even in the Democrats' mind necessary?
3: That is a great question. The most important thing to realize about the so-called Respect for Marriage Act is this. The act is not about legalizing same-sex marriage. Every state, because of Obergefell, because of that Supreme Court decision, every state already recognizes same-sex marriages, and they accept same-sex marriage licenses issued by every other state. So the the Respect for Marriage Act is not at all about legalizing same-sex marriage. It is not at all about forcing states to recognize same-sex marriage licenses that is already happening because of that supreme court decision. Mm-hmm. So what is the purpose of the respect for marriage act? Cuz that's what the democrats say that's that's what it's doing, you know, nothing to see right. here, nothing to see mm-hmm. here. What it is really doing is weaponizing or giving the Biden administration the power to weaponize federal agencies and use the power of these agencies and the power of the courts to sue Christian business owners, Christian adoption agencies, Christian nonprofits, including nonprofits like AFA, to sue them, to intimidate them, and to silence them. Now why is that? Wow. So we look at the bill, the first thing it does is it, it provides power to the US Attorney General to go after folks that are violating uh the, the terms of the Respect for Marriage Act. So if if you don't if you don't believe in same-sex marriage and if you're doing something that is discriminating against same sex married couples. That could be in labor law, it could be in all kinds of all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. The only the only exception that the bill mentions is celebration of marriage. Yeah. So if it's outside of that, which is gonna be, you know, that's a that's a very large
0: area of activity. So in speech, like us talking about it and, and, and talking about what the Bible is saying about these issues, would that be considered, you know, against the terms?
3: I don't think we're quite there yet because of the strong free speech protections under the First Amendment. Mm -hmm. But we're still—I mean, what what the bill does or what the the law will do once it passes the U.S. House and is signed by President Biden, what it will do is give the U.S. Attorney General and the courts the power to start to look. You know, if they see a pattern of discriminatory speech— well, maybe you're engaging in discriminatory activities. Mm. And so now we're going to have cause to start to investigate AFA. We're going to have cause to investigate this adoption agency, mm. these other groups, these schools. So it's, it's about the DOJ, the FBI, and the IRS. And we can talk wow. about that wow. after the break. We have getting to. Getting this power.
1: Yeah, we absolutely have to. And the thing that is really striking to me about this is that we understand that we live in the kind of country right now where rebellion is so celebrated that you have individuals who would be standing in line to set up various organizations. I mean, to test, to push, to get to the place where you then um, can bring charges against these organizations. And so I think that we should all be concerned about this. We'll grab the break and we'll come right back with more from Jamison Taylor. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. all the saints and angels they Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki.
0: And I'm Will. And that's CeCe Winans, worthy of it all.
1: Our brother, Dr. Jameson Taylor, who's the Director of Policy and Legislative Affairs for uh, AFA Action, joins us today to talk about the so-called Respect for Marriage Act that uh, passed the Senate on Tuesday. We were talking about the implications of that. And I know the break kind of grabbed us here. But mm-hmm. Jameson, you were breaking down for us, um, I guess, what is hidden in this should it be signed into law what is hidden will be hidden in this bill Um, those who are not protected let me just say this I get the sense and correct me on this if I'm if I'm not understanding I get the sense that we find ourselves in a position where the burden of our liberties now are on us rather than on the government to say, okay, here's why we have to infringe upon those limit, those liberties. I, I feel like now increasingly Americans are having to make the case for the basic freedoms that once the government had to make the case that they had to infringe upon them. How did, how did we get here?
3: Well, you're absolutely right. That's, that's where we are. And so it, part of the purpose of the Respect for Marriage Act is to put Christians and other people of sincere belief on the defensive And what what they also want to do is drain our resources. They want to break our morale, and they Mm -hmm. want to silence any kind of opposition. Again, this is not about legalizing same-sex marriage. It's already Mm -hmm. been done. This -hmm. is about silencing and intimidating your opposition. And, you know, from my perspective, I think the thing that is really morally outrageous about the Respect for Marriage Act is that it is forcing me to agree with something that is not true. Mm -hmm. right Right. so you know even if this is not about let's say it's not about same-sex marriage because let's you know marriage has something to do with conceiving kids and raising kids in every (laughs) culture throughout (laughs) all of human history marriage has something to do with kids Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but two people of the same sex cannot conceive a child together it's Mm -hmm. impossible so you can call it a marriage you can call it you know, whatever you want. But it's not a marriage, and everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so part of what's happening is the left knows that, and they they heard Clarence Thomas in his concurrence on the Dobbs decision say, you know what? I don't think there's really 14th Amendment constitutional protection for same-sex marriage. This is something we're going to have to look at. <laughs> and because they know that they are standing on such thin ice, there's no rational support for what they want. They know they're standing on such thin ice. That's why they're pushing through Legislation like this because they want they want to get this legal bulwark to go after their enemies to silence their enemies, because that's the only way they're going to perpetuate this fake institution Mm
1: -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's
3: fake, because it's illogical. The only way that they're that it's going to continue is to silence the people who are speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. But, you know, suppose we had a law that said, hey, purple is green and green is purple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, you know, that should be offensive to anyone who loves freedom, whether you're a Christian or whether you are a libertarian. Mm-hmm. You should be outraged by the Respect for Marriage Act because what it is doing is silencing dissent. And in particular, it is silencing dissent about something that is simply not true. It is forcing people to su- subscribe to beliefs that are not true. And again, whether it has to do with marriage or colors, you know, mm-hmm. green and purple mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. What it, or anything. Yeah. The government should not have the power to force people to, to believe in something and yeah. act upon something that is not true.
1: Now, Jameson, let me ask you this, because there there is also a conversation out here about, um, as they call it, interracial marriages being protected now. Um, what, is, what, what does <laughs> that mean? I don't understand. Like, wh- What are they saying? Were they saying that... People who are married interethnically or interculturally, were they saying that they didn't have protections by the federal government, that those marriages were somehow at risk or delegitimized in our culture? Please help me understand what that means.
3: Yeah, so the, those protections are very well established under the 14th Amendment, under different Supreme Court decisions. What that is, is a very clever and cynical ploy to equate opposition to same sex marriage with. Racial discrimination Mm -hmm. and racial bigotry. Mm Yeah, because I mean, you know, which is which is uh, immoral and outrageous. You know, racism is immoral and outrageous uh, and Mm unchristian. And so, what they're trying to do is say, if you oppose the same-sex marriage, you're no better than a member of the KKK. But it's important Mm -hmm. to realize that that is how the left. Sees Christians who oppose same-sex marriage, right? Yeah. Right. Right. They see us as bigots, as irrational, uh, and they believe that it's just a personal preference that we mm. believe in one man, one woman marriage. Mm. But this is also something, you know, looking at the Senate debates, there was not a single senator that I heard, at least, who said that that you know that same-sex marriage is not true. Mm-hmm. That there's no there's no uh support for this in human history. There's no support for this in science. There's no support for this in just, you know, how we should raise children.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: What mm-hmm. instead they did was they made they made an argument that I call basically the the tooth fairy defense of religious freedom to say, okay. well, hey, you know, some people believe in uh traditional marriage and some people don't, but we should give protection to these people that, that happen not to believe in same-sex marriage. Oh, wow. And, it, and it's framed more as just a preference. Mm-hmm. And so wow. for the left, I think, people, especially people that um, they, they don't know that much about Christianity, especially the mm-hmm. younger generation, I think mm-hmm. there's a tendency to see faith in Christ as equivalent to believing in the tooth fairy. I'm not going to even wow. say Santa Claus because people— <laughs> People take Santa Claus a lot more seriously in some cases oh, come than believing in Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. But they see believing man. in Jesus as basically believing in the tooth fairy. Mm-hmm. And so for a lot of senators, their their argument for religious freedom came down to saying something like, well, hey, some people believe in the tooth fairy, and and they really believe it. It's really important to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. and so we should protect that belief. Wow. And that's that's not good enough. We are going to lose every time if all we have is a tooth fairy defense of religious freedom. Instead, we need to make a defense based upon moral principle. You know what? This is what the left does. Let me read Mm -hmm. to you what President Biden said uh, when the Senate passed the Respect for Marriage Act. He said that uh, with today's Senate passage by—well, I should read the whole thing. With today's bipartisan Republican and Democrat, in other Mm -hmm. words— bipartisan senate passage of the respect for marriage act the united states is on the brink of reaffirming a fundamental truth love is love and Mm. americans should have the right to marry the person they love and this i disagree with this you know love is love what does that even mean right right love love you know real love has responsibility Mm -hmm. and duty and And self-sacrifice Yes, and it's it's aligned with the truth about human beings. But anyway, but the important thing, though, is that the president is going to this idea of this is about fundamental truth. This is about a fundamental moral principle. Mm -hmm. I did not hear enough Republican senators, really none of them, going back to fundamental moral truths and moral principles saying, you know what, same-sex marriage is wrong, this Mm -hmm. is why. They didn't do that, wow. and that's they. And they're not doing that on anything. Yeah, yeah. They're, not, they're not doing it on uh, abortion. And instead, we're talking about exceptions for rape and incest and other things like that. They mm-hmm. don't. They're not even doing it on economic issues, which you you could certainly make a moral argument against inflation. Mm-hmm. How inflation is destroying the middle class. How it's in a sense degrading work because you, you know we're all working harder than ever, but it feels like mm-hmm. we're we're less well off than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can make these moral arguments. Yeah, and if we want, if you know we need a renewal of the Republican party. It's going to have to begin with making those moral arguments. Mm. But, you know, you know, I think that's going to come from the church ultimately.
1: Yeah. And I want to, yeah. I want to actually pick up with that. I, yeah. I think that there is a great responsibility that we, as the body of Christ have, but I want to throw something out at you and and I want to get your take on this. So I was thinking, and I said this in the first segment, you know, not to take a page from Matt Walsh's playbook here, but I think he was brilliant in asking the question, what is a woman when looking at the transgender conversation, in our country. I'm wondering, and I don't know, maybe I'm just naive about this, but it seems to me the same type of argument can be effectively made by asking the question, what is marriage? And, and I think this is kind of the point that you're making here, that if we don't stand up and absolutely tell the truth about what right. marriage is, like this is not just a preference, right. that marriage can be defined, that marriage has certain characteristics and features, I, I think this is kind of where we need to lean in, and I'm, I'm wondering why we haven't, um, to this and, point, ask that basic question and say what this, is the, marriage the
0: church has to do it you know yes. like we have to be out in front and saying this is what marriage is and bold about it you know because the, the problem is a lot in a lot of people in the church don't really even know right and they couldn't give right. you the definition so that there's a problem there but it has to be us who are standing out front and saying this is what it is
1: absolutely jameson your thoughts on this
3: Well, I agree completely with everything both of you just said. So, You know, I I think that uh, we have to engage in these kind of truth-telling exercises and start to push back to say, you know what, that's just not true. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. let's say if we look at the pro-life issue to say, uh, you know, with abortion, it's a blob of tissue. Mm -hmm. And to say, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and that's what women saw looking at uh, 3D and 4D ultrasounds. That's where they realized, oh, yeah. Right. This image shows me that it's not true. So certainly mm-hmm. we need you know, we need healthy images mm-hmm. of one man, one woman marriage. We mm, need Christians to, yeah. to recommit to their marriages. And I know Amen. you guys invest a lot of yourselves in educating people and helping people to do that. But we also need to make the political argument and the rhetorical argument. That same sex marriage is not marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Can, right. It's a you know, mutual tax benefit association, it's roommates, whatever it may be, you can, you know, and, and we can have a separate argument as to whether or not folks are gonna get benefits from being uh, from being roommates and you know, same sex roommates or whatever but they do not deserve the word marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, they are so not Jameson, married. Mm.
1: Let's, let's do this. And I'm looking at, we've got maybe six minutes here, but I, again, I want to stress, it is so important for everyday Christians to be able to have these conversations effectively. So let's unpack this question. When When a Christian says homosexual practices under the guise of marriage is not marriage, how do we define that in such a way that there's no dispute there, that there's no debate there when we say this is what marriage is? How does this become an easy conversation for Christians to have?
3: I well, I don't have a simple answer to that. <laughs> okay, I think that's AFA fine. AFA has a lot of good resources to uh, to help people begin to unpack that, uh, and I believe we have a, a, a book out that we put out to to give people answers uh, on that issue. But I think it starts by thinking about what is the purpose of marriage.
1: Yeah.
3: One of the kind of the natural purpose of marriage is for two people to come together, to have kids and raise those kids. I think you start to walk people back toward just you know the that biological natural purpose of marriage. (laughs) And a lot of this is going to come. I think it's probably best just to start asking questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you know, kind of naive questions like. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was a kid, uh, it's kind of like, you know, you remember that Frank Sinatra song, love and marriage, love and marriage, you know, (laughs) and then comes the baby carriage. That's, yeah, that's kind of just talking about it in those sense and get and get people to start to ask questions. Now, of course, I think some of the pushback now is going to be, well, with IVF and surrogate mothers Mm. and all these things. Mm -hmm. Well, these people can be parents. Mm. So that changes the conversation a little bit because of technology. But but
1: but but Jameson. Can can
3: they? Yeah, right. Exactly. Can they though?
1: I mean, can like they? if we can, can they be parents? No, you you can have two men together overseeing the growth <laughs> and development of children. Unfortunately, mm. but those are not parents. Right. Those are not parents. Like parents also. And here we go. Another. Page from the so so. What are parents?
0: We have to ask the, what the are question parents? about everything. And, and I think this is
1: where we need to get in our culture because yeah. what we need to provoke in people is this position where they have to defend their assertions. Mm. So you want to call this marriage? My question then is, what's marriage? You want to call it parenting? Two people of the same gender raising kids. You want to call that parenting? My question is then, what is parenting? Mm. What, think, what is parenting?
3: Yeah, I think that's the way to do it. You start by just asking those questions and pushing yeah. back, pushing back and getting people to realize that what they are advocating for is absurd. Yeah.
1: Okay, so, Jameson, we're going to run out of time here, but I want to make sure that you get in um, kind of some of these last notes here because um, where are we in America? What's the what's the clarion call for the church? What's the clarion call for those who want to engage? Uh, where, where do we go from here? So I think,
3: you know, as I said, after this first pass, I was feeling kind of down. And then I just started to to realize, look, God is sovereign, and this is an opportunity that God has given us. In a certain way, this is a gift that God has given us. Uh, You know, it's a gift of trial and persecution, but still it's a gift. The church, I think especially since Ronald Reagan has enjoyed a certain measure of influence and political power, One thing to think about is, suppose the church didn't have any political power. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the church in China, the church in Saudi Arabia, that's the early church. Suppose we didn't have any political power. How then are we approaching politics? So I think this is an opportunity for the church to rethink the role of politics and to realize just how poor we are Mm -hmm. and how whatever we get done, even in the political sphere, it's going to come from God not oh. based upon our own efforts, Amen. but it's going to be God. So I see kind of God emptying us out a little bit, you know, uh, speaking for myself, at least I'm yes. a little too attached to politics, but oh, can, James. You know, yeah, <laughs> a little, a little emptying out and God saying, Hey,
1: I wish we had more time. Let me do this. This is a great way for us to wrap up until tomorrow. Lord willing.
3: God bless.